Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Hey, welcome to another episode of This Life. Bob Forrest, Dr. Drew. And a couple pieces of business. Um, A, remember that what we do here is, uh, well, at this point, it's purely community service. We're trying to help. Not that we're paying for this. But number two. I get to come to your house on Sundays. Which is nice. I get to see you and (laughs) chat with you. But but number two is that when we answer calls and things, remember, we are not treating anybody. We are giving you information. It's an educational forum. This in cases like this, how we'd approach it. So please, no, no, do not, do not confuse this with or replace it with what you need to do in your treatment and with your professionals there at home. So for your, we need your support uh, to keep this thing going. So please click through on the Amazon banner, check out the uh, drdrew page, and you can email us there. We'll answer your questions on this podcast. This this podcast is now available on iTunes. We have a Twitter at this life podcast, okay. and we also have a, I, I know I call it Twitter, and we like also a twit. we also have. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. Go ahead. <laughs> we also have a website. Uh-huh. This life podcast. This life podcast. And the Twitter handle is again. So you'll be able to find the episodes there, and cl- it'll click you through to the iTunes. I'm confused, and, but and I, the, I'm always confused. This life podcast. <laughs> the Twitter handle is. At this live podcast. At this live podcast. Okay. So, but uh, let me tell you what I truly think it, we're doing. We're like traffic cops. We know where all this, you know, where everything is, and we're just going to point people in directions. Right. You know, you got codependency, go this yeah. way. You got a drug addict kid, go that way. We have it's a lot a, of experience you know. with this stuff. Uh, Bob and I worked together for. Well, first years. I was a patient. <laughs> that's yeah, what I learned. Yeah, that's where I learned. Listen Apple. to the first episode for that. Okay, so okay. what's this week's episode? So this week's episode, about? we're going to uh, get to a couple calls here, and uh, here they are. All right, so what we have, Bob, is uh, Terry's son, a 23-year-old primary heroine uh, who was in a psychiatric facility for five days, went out, went back, uh, another psychiatric hospital for three days, went back, surprise, surprise, and mom is sort of, uh, for the first time, who's on the phone, Terry is mom. Okay. And uh, Terry... is sort of really just starting at this. Is you, did, you start, did I read right that dad was an alcoholic also? His father is an alcoholic. Um, he, uh, yes, his father is an extreme alcoholic. Is, he drinks about two uh, of them box crafts of wine a day. So has he ever been in recovery, dad? No, he absolutely refuses to admit that he's an alcoholic. And does your son want to get better? Does he want help? Yeah, he cries for help, and I've tried, but everywhere I've taken him, I did have him on my, I work uh, for a major uh, grocery industry, I had insurance on him, and um, they weren't, you know, neither one of the two youngest, because I have a, an older son also, uh, who's well on his feet, and um, uh, 
they weren't ever using an insurance. So because it was taking a big chunk out of my paycheck, I went ahead and took them off, and I applied for Medicaid for uh, Tyler and the youngest, uh, who's 22. Uh, they um, they don't, I mean, what they offer is absolutely next to nothing. I mean, it's three days, five days, and then you're on your own. Right, uh, that's uh, for sure. Uh, and that's unfortunately the case. Even with insurance, though, it's not a lot better, as Bob and I know. Or is it getting better, Bob? I mean, are you finding it to be better? Some's getting better. Somebody's going to have to figure out how to give more adequate care to yeah. this m- Medicaid, Medicare. Yeah. Well, this is Medicaid. Medicare is bad enough. Medicaid yeah. is Medicaid, which is They used not to call it Medi-Cal, right? I mean, it's, in California. California, it's Medi-Cal. Well, where, where are they at? Where's Terry at? Where Illinois. Illinois. So, so uh, you, what ends up in all different parts of the United States are these not-for-profit rehabs that require a, dis- a tremendous amount of display of willingness. You have to call in for weeks sometimes to get county beds. Addicts notoriously aren't follow through. Yeah. And so a lot of times you as the mother will be the person calling for them. And... You know, it's it's a mess that we're in with all this attic population across the United States. Right. So he, here are the only two ways. Well, there are two ways to approach this. They may overlap. One is what Bob's talking about. He, he needs on the order of six months of treatment, your son. Okay. And no insurance right. is going to pay that. Right. No, no insur- PPO insurance is going to No one's going to pay for that. But they will pay for a month, right? Can't you get these Medicaid programs for a month or so? Yeah, you can. Yeah. After that, he would go to a residential or sober living, and those are much, much, much less expensive. Uh, and that, that's where he'll have to spend some time after that. And uh, you know, even he can pay for that potentially because he could work while he's there potentially. But, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, you sort of have a crisis on your hand. So the one possibility— oh, absolutely. Yeah, the one possibility is getting finding places that take Medicaid or beds that have one month of treatment. It's not going to be a hospital. It's going to be a residential treatment center in all probability, would you say? Yeah, and it's along the lines of Salvation Army. And a lot of times, you know, people frown on that. A couple of my best friends got sober in the Salvation Army. It's possible to get sober anywhere. There's a safe, contained environment and, and accountability. For an extended period of time. He needs an extended, extended, extended stay. The other way that's being approached today is a medication called Suboxone, which, again, this is why all the Suboxone, Bob, because of there's no resources to do the real treatment. But he's not a polysubstance abuser? Does he use anything besides heroin? Pardon me, doctor? Does he use anything he besides heroin, just heroin? Um, well, uh, if he can't get a hold of heroin, he will take anything he can get. Um, he uses um, opiates, other opiates, um, painkillers. If if he can't get the um, uh, the heroin, does and he use stimulants like Adderall or benzodiazepine, like no, Xanax? He, uh, he he will take uh, a Xanax now and then. But Tyler has made it very clear to me that uh, he um, prefers. Uh, he doesn't prefer an upper. He prefers the downer, and he says that, um, or he says the high of heroin is um, the best high in the world. Right. He got. He says he wants to quit. I've driven everywhere. I've called everywhere. A lot of people don't want to talk to me because he's over eighteen, mm. and there's a waiting, waiting, waiting. And you know, the more I wait, 
I'm, you know, he goes to neighborhoods that are gang filled. You know, we live right outside of Chicago and he goes to terrible areas and I'm going to get a phone call that either my son has been killed or he's overdosed because they're, uh, what has been on the news is that they're um, mixing it with fentanyl and kids are dying. I mean, it's an epidemic that is awful and I don't have the, I don't have the financial ability to do it. And I, um, I, I'm lost. I don't want to lose my son. He's extremely smart. He's got patience of gold, you know, but he's got a weakness. And he told me, Mom, are you with me? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you didn't oh, hear what we said I, I before. Did, did, you, uh, did you not he hear? Hang on, hang on. Did you not hear what we told you to do before? There's Could, options hang on, hang, and there's did you possibilities. Not, hang on, hang on. Could you literally not hear it, or did you do you just need to hear it again? Did I not? Did I not hear what, doctor? We, we gave you some real specific recommendations. Oh, for uh, the Salvation Army and to call weeping and stuff. No, 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 no. The, the first, you need to know what he needs. He needs long-term accountability and containment in step-down levels. So he needs an intensive inpatient experience. Whether that intensive inpatient experience lasts two weeks or a month, ideally, you know, you take what you can get. Then he needs to be in a good, solid, sober living environment with some sort of outpatient program or some sort of volunteerism. That's what a lot of the new places are doing. You'll have outpatient for a month and then you volunteer if you don't get a job. What, What you're doing, I know, and my own sister did this, which is have him live at my house and then he stays sober for a week and then he runs to the bad neighborhood and I'm so scared he's going to die. You're never going to win that way. I know it seems like the only way to keep him safe, but those things that you're so fearful of, him dying of a drug overdose or or uh, getting uh, you know killed in a drug deal or all these you know horrible scenarios that we all know are possible... By allowing him to have a place to live and by allowing him to promise you he's going to be sober when promises don't matter with addicts. They really mean it when they promise, but five days later they break the promise. It's a brain disorder. So you need to get him out of his comfort zone and into a place, and that should be your only goal. I know. I know. I, I realize that. Believe me, I've called everywhere. I have called everywhere, and they want money. They want a lot of money. Yeah, no, the places like what? I'm sorry. The places that the places that uh, pop up on the internet or that that hospitals refer you want money, but there are the traditional routes of of uh, nonprofit organizations, and I'm sure there are in Chicago, and we could try to find out um, in the in the Chicago area where the nonprofit places are like Salvation Army. Yeah. There, you know, there's one here called Claire foundation in Los Angeles. It helps hundreds of addicts on a monthly basis. There's cry help and impact. These are the mainstays of, of populations like your son. That's where they get sober in these nonprofit places. Listen, if you had hundreds of millions of dollars, your kids still wouldn't get sober. You'd send him to Malibu, he wouldn't get sober. Then he'd be out here for two years. There, this problem is bigger than money. The, 
you're thinking the obstacle for you to get help for your son is money. And I'm telling you, it's not because people with a lot of money, their sons are dying too. So this is a complex problem. I know, I, I know, I know that it runs deeper. I, I know that there's other issues. He's got a very low self-esteem. For, forget the other uh, issues. Forget the other he issues. He loves heroin. Yeah, okay. without the other issues, he has a life-threatening illness, period. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's, he's almost died a few times, yeah. and I've done life support well, and, and taken him to the hospital. Hey, and the hey hospital you know what? Listen, you may, one thing you might want to do right away, I think you can get naloxone now over the counter, naltrexone. Maybe in you Illinois. Should, you should keep that on hand if you can get it in Illinois. Suboxone, Dr. No, no. No, no. Naloxone. Naloxone. It's, if he overdoses, it's something you can inject into him that will reverse oh. the heroin. Yeah, I would keep that on hand if you could. Now, the, you, you did mention Suboxone. That is the other way to approach this. Has he ever been on Suboxone? Well, when he was in the five-day uh, rehab, uh, they told him that he was going to be on Suboxone. I took him to the doctor that was supposed to uh, give it to him, and he said that because there was no heroin in his body, he could not give it to him. Wow. So, in That's other words, weird. yeah, so we walked out of there. The kid threw himself up against the, the, my Jeep and just started bawling. He said, I don't believe I have to use to to, to get it. That's crazy. I've never heard of such thing. I don't know all the details of that, but let me tell you this. You know where they will know where the free county beds are for Illinois? The moms in in Al-Anon will know. That's what I was just thinking, yeah. Because Narnon. Narnon. They'll know. Get yourself involved with people to find out, because you can't find out in a vacuum on the internet. There's two programs you must go to tonight. One is called Al-Anon, the other is called Naranon. Either one or both. Yeah, go to a meeting, talk to the moms there. And say, where are the county beds? Where are the free beds for drug addicts in Chicago? It, and it's a program that you need to participate in anyway for your, on behalf of your son and behalf of yourself. You'll like it, I think. Because there's a lot of moms like you, and that's where they all are. I, uh, I, I hope to God, you know, being so close to Chicago... And if he can walk out the door and go get it, he will. All right, listen, go go do what we told you here. Go to these meetings. Try to find a place locally that is either Medicaid or free. Some are free. That will take him. I'll try. I've tried. I've tried. Have I'm you, telling you, you've I've been, tried. You've been to Al-Anon? You've been to Naranon? I go, I go to Elanon meetings on Thursday night. Have uh, you told them you know, you're trying to find a county bed for your son? Share it. I, go to the meeting and share. Say, listen, I need to find, Dr. Drew says I need to find a place for my son to go that's a county-run facility that's free, that's covered by the county taxes. And, and may, maybe Naranon would be more likely to have that. Yeah, Naranon. You, you may have to travel a little farther to find a Naranon meeting. They're not as ubiquitous as the Al-Anon. But Naranon moms should know. Okay? Now, if, if I may ask, is that is there usually, do you gentlemen know whether or not this is a long, uh, is there long periods of waiting time with yeah, this? Probably. Up, usually up to two weeks. It's not as long as they'll tell you because they want to know your degree of willingness because they don't want to waste the bet on somebody who has a consistent pattern of checking in, leaving, 
you know, and, and he's starting to establish that pattern. If he went to a detox unit, was sober for five days, and just because he can't get Suboxone, he starts talking about using again. This is a confused addict mind. Um, so, so you got to just treat him like a sick person. Don't listen to what he says. He's sick. His brain is broken. You know I, what know. I, mean? I know. I know. I believe me, I know. I just don't want to lose him, and I'm pretty close to that. You know, either that or myself. No. I need some help, and I'll I'll do it again. I'll go in there. I'll talk to them. Tell them Dr. Drew said, and I'll call everywhere again and see what I can do. I, I I'm, I'm I've, I've been trying for call your local health and human human services office and ask them. Okay, All so right, Terry, we got to wrap up. Doctor, thank you I love so you much. Thank All right, you. Terry, good luck. I love your show. I love you. Right. And thank you. Take All care. Right, so, Let me tell you, there's a tsunami across America. There's no beds. There's no places for addicts to get help. Well, but that's where the replacement therapy comes in, though. That's why that is so popular. But it doesn't work either. Well, I know. It works sometimes. It works sometimes. Yeah. In, in a way. It kind of works in quotes. It's better than not being out there with nothing. Right? But, but there are health and human services buildings in every municipality in the United States and they're supposed to be handling this kind of you know departmental health I mean there's different things the departmental health there's well here in California it just changed to be called the health and human services I don't know what it is but uh they have federal allotment or county allotments for amount of beds there's I think there's 400 in LA County 400 county beds. Beds. And and there's about 4 million addicts. 40,000, 400,000 maybe. And so we as a nation need to start thinking about this because everybody thinks Obamacare is going to just solve everything. No. It's not going to solve anything. As usual, it's it's not enough to do the job. They they can't afford to give insurance for everybody for everything. It's this scant insurance where all you and I have worked with three years. You have nothing, you, you can't get people what they need. And so why, when you bring up the Salvation Army... But it's why, it, it the, it, the, is it, the desperation I feel when I hear about these cases, though, isn't it interesting how much Suboxone makes sense then? Because mm-hmm. you feel so desperate, it's like, i got to do something. Well, let's put these people on replacement, put on methadone, put on Suboxone, at least they'll live, you know? I prefer methadone because it's not self-administered. I know you don't like it as much. But at well, least like you have to go to a clinic and yeah. feel like a drug addict every day. <laughs> I don't like it as much because it's so freaking hard to get off of. Well, I don't. I don't think that we're seeing a, a, a you know, a flowery future where everyone's going to yeah. get off either. I know, I know. Because of the amount of volume of addicts in the United States, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Hello. Hey, hey there. Mike. Who we got here? Uh, this is Mike. Hi, hey, Mike. Mike. Mike, tell us what's your question. Well, basically, I've been taking uh, Suboxone for five to six years. I um, heard you speak on it on another podcast. Uh, I think it was just a few days ago, maybe weeks ago, actually. And um, wondering about the long-term effect. I'm not taking too much, and uh, and had some comments about um, taking small amounts. All right, so good. I'm glad you called because we were just talking about this. And and, and okay. a, a, are you having any side effects? Um, no, no, good. none at all. Good. And, and B, uh, are you intending to come off, or do you want to come off completely? Um, I don't, and okay. I have a reason for that. Uh, go ahead. I, I, go I, ahead. Please tell I me. I don't. My my reason for that is, uh, in my past, I have three kids and a, I'm, I'm a great wife, and uh, it, 
I'm trying to get off the other opiates um, and other stuff. I was lazy, no energy, weeks would pass. I feel real guilty. So anytime I start going through that again or lack of energy, I just, it reminds me of the past, kind of the guilt. How much are um, you How much are you on right now? Right now, um, I'm taking probably four milligrams a day. Okay. Uh, are there long-term effects? We don't think so. Uh, we don't know so for sure because we haven't been using it on humans that long, but it doesn't appear to be a big deal. Uh, at four milligrams, people usually still complain about some sexual dysfunction and some blunting and feelings. Are you having any of, anything of that nature? No, no. All right. Not at so, all. So coming off doesn't really make sense, does it? No. I was, uh, I, no, and I all definitely right. don't want to um, anytime soon. All right. So there you go, Bob. So there's a Suboxone success story. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get our, the... our thing is we're concerned about Suboxone. We, we see lots of failures, and we see people that have difficulty with it and side effects. And... How old are you? I'm 38 years old. See, that's more like it. The, the problem I've always had is they put 19-year-old and 21-year-old heroin addicts who've been doing it. They're not even heroin addicts. They've been doing heroin for like eight months, <laughs> and they put them on, you know, 8, yeah. 12 milligrams um, mm -hmm. as a preemptive strike, I yeah, think. Yeah. And then they end up in your predicament. You know what it's going to take if you wanted to get off that after five or six years. It'd take you three or four months. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually, to be honest with you, prescribed 24 milligrams a day. I just don't take that much. Do you right. sell um, the rest? I just This is all confidential. Do you sell the rest to yeah, make a little no, money? No, well, not, no. I, I, I would, but to, I, I'll save them up and... Uh, Say there's people around, and I know they're having a problem. Or there something. you go. I'll that's give up. one chance. Like the Mother but, Teresa of Suboxone. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. But Be careful. <laughs> you're, you're prescribing a serious <laughs> medication. He's not prescribing it. He's just sharing. But it's it. you know it's practicing medicine. But uh, are you using anything else besides Suboxone? Other drugs? No, no, no. I've been clean okay. for uh, about five to six years now. now. This, this um, is the. But I, I do have another question. Okay, before you do, I have one question oh, yeah. for you though. This is the question. This is the interesting okay. thing to me. You going to twelve step meetings? Do you follow a program? No. Yeah. Okay. No, so then it was weird one. that you used their terminology for it, clean. So go ahead. What's your okay. question? Well, the thing is, I I've, I've never really ran into anybody like myself. I uh, kind of filled with so much guilt from the past that all I wanted to was to be like not lazy, sick, going through the symptoms. So the minute I was able to be, uh, you know, not really lazy or anymore, I basically was done. I never looked oh, back. So, never so, so you're a, so it's interesting. He's interesting. He is a dependent, not addicted opiate addict. I wouldn't necessarily, in my humble opinion, I wouldn't call what this guy even has addiction. I, I would call it a lot of what's I would going call on. it drug dependency. Is there alcoholism in your family? Um, no, not really. See, you, it's so interesting. That's so, so when you were, when did you get into to abusing opiates? How old were you? Well, I was actually anti, probably about uh, twenty-five years old. Went to the dentist at some trade work, uh, piling up these prescriptions, and uh, then one day it was really sore. Took it, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm extra happy." Greatest today. feeling on <laughs> earth. <laughs> greatest and, uh, feeling one on thing earth. Turned into another. Maybe it's a it's a genie out of the bottle that not all these people should know the greatest feeling on earth. <laughs> I'm jealous. I, I, it gives me a worse feeling. It gives me a shitty feeling. 
but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of and initially what you were categorized by the American Society of Addiction Medicine was called a pseudo addict. You were someone who is addicted to opioids. Well, now they call it uh, what do they call it? Use now? disorder. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I like pseudo addict. Yeah. Don't you like pseudo addict better? <laughs> You're not a drug addict like has to go to rehab and end up going to 12-step meetings the rest of your life. You're in this other category. Yeah. Mike, we yeah, got to run. Is I, it, did we answer your questions? Is this what you came for? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I, I did have a, a weird getting off question. I did have a solution, but I know what you'd say probably already. Well, go ahead. But Suboxone is very hard to get off. Harder yeah. than I, I'd say than heroin. And, I agree. Uh, Basically, if you reversed it for somebody like myself only and started, stopped taking Suboxone, started taking, say, two, oh. uh, I don't know, 10 milligram uh, Vicodins a day, yeah. one week. Yeah, that's the old way we've of done, We've done things like that before, believe me. Yeah. And, oh, they, really? used to have a, they used to have a kit here in Los Angeles, a doctor named Dr. Howard Mark. And he had a kit where he gave you 90 Vicodin. And you're supposed to take ten one day, then no one ever like did that. Nine, then but, yeah. but I have had people. I've had people go on heroin to get off methadone. I've had things like that happen. But anyway, appreciate your call, Mike. We got to yeah. run. Thanks, Thanks so much. Okay, good question. Thank you very much. Very appreciate it. You bet. So there. So there's a great use for Suboxone right there. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I would have certainly wished he could have tapered off completely. Because of sooner. the kids, I think. Yeah, and he's an adult. He has a f- intact regulatory system. You know what I mean? Well, let's just get into who's populating the rehab centers for a second. Yep. These are not adults. These are non-functioning well, are you, are you people. Are you aware what's going on on college campuses right now? Oh, yeah, I'm very, yeah, because I've that's seen it. You're seeing a version, you're seeing the pathology that, that associated with that. Hold on. Can, I, can we talk about this for a few minutes? My college, they've now taken over and, and said they don't want to go to class. And uh, they need to be because every, of Black every, Lives Matter, or yes, because of what? Essentially, that <laughs> and everyone needs to be retrained. Anyone see, that everybody wants to jump on a cause. Everybody has a little antisocial personality, except for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not allowed to laugh. Allowed to laugh like but because but that I, means you have a little bit. Of that. <laughs> we know I do. So, but I'm telling you, there's people jumping on bandwagons. That they, it's the craziest thing ever. But but here's the here's my problem, which is that the people that want to have an alternative opinion are, are vilified and told they need to go to re-education. That's Mao. That's Mao Zedong. That's the cultural revolution. As, as opposed to let's have a discourse, a dialogue. Well, I've been trying to out. have it about what's going on, what went on in Paris, and it's, it's impossible. These kids have never had a job. Rehab traditionally was for people with jobs who were starting to fall behind to get stabilized, get a game plan, yeah. 12-step oriented game plan together, and go back to their lives. Yeah. Rehab is now filled with people that don't have lives to go back and to. And have no intention to go back to a life. So we got the I people know. who do have access to care almost don't, it's not going to work for them. And then... That's what you've been struggling with lately, and then getting a life. The people that don't have access to care, not that they want sobriety anymore you know what i mean sobriety is the eye of a needle to begin with but who has access to care in this country it's not going to work for there you go hey there who's this now this is hello hey there guys thanks for joining us hey hey, man my pleasure i go way back with both you guys so it's an honor to talk to you oh it's fun to see you 
I used to be drunk and high at Team Monster shows, but I'm 24 years sober myself. And oh, right, I work. On. right on. Yeah. So I wanted to follow up on your first episode. I apologize because I know you guys are talking about more important things today. But when you had Joe Blazer on, he was talking about his hopes that when drugs are legalized, that it would lead to more treatment. He said it would result in identifying and treating the addicts. And then I just was thinking of alcohol because like right after that, I was in the supermarket and the three guys in front of me all had uh, alcohol. It was like quitting time, you know, getting off work. And then the guy pulls up behind me with a 12 pack too. And I was thinking, we've kind of tested this model. I mean, it's capitalism for the companies who are going to sell and then it's taxes for the government. I don't see anybody identifying and treating all these functional alcoholics my family among them i'm the only one who's really sober so so, so it would it I would let a genie out of the bottle that would have far more serious consequences than you might imagine to me that's most interesting is i make my my income really comes from court cases alternative sentencing because i don't want to work in a rehab and i don't want to be a sober companion so i found this niche which is to work in alternative sentencing i've helped people who robbed banks yeah. get drug treatment because they were high and they were seeking drug money. Right. That's going to go away once drugs would be decriminalized. You'll be held accountable for your actions. So, I want a so, society that people... Now, I'm slitting my own throat because I'm not going to make it. Yeah, but... But, 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 but the, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but... Uh, Alternative sentencing will go away with the decriminalization. But maybe he was advocating complete legalization, right? Yeah, that's ma- that's madness. But, <laughs> but I okay, do well, believe. What, I'm sorry. What's the caller's name? I'm sorry. Doa. 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 That's what Doa said. But Doa's I do saying. believe Doa, it's going to be decriminalized. I do. It already is. They're not arresting people for heroin possession, Drew. Yeah. They just throw it on the ground like they used to pot. Doa, what do you think? Well. Uh, and it's not a loaded question because I am 100% sober. But let's just look at like marijuana. I don't even know how to vote. Like, just blunt, guys. Your no spin answer. Like, would you vote to legalize marijuana? Do you think it's an ultimate good for our society? Well, if, if, is, it, is it an ultimate good? No, I don't think it's an ultimate good. There are no uh, good options with this stuff. But, One is the, the, the race the racial the racial injustice over the drug laws in america are good enough for me that we need to change them that a white kid with marijuana it gets thrown in the in the in the gutter a black kid with with marijuana goes to prison that that we know happens all the time in california that has to stop as it's decriminalized well the the you know the colorado's our case study right that's that's we have to look at and indeed, problems with young people getting exposed is going up. Admissions are up, for both as a primary and a secondary drug. It's adverse consequences, adverse side effects, all up, up, up. The question is, though, will that go for a while and then some sort of steady state will be, really, will be achieved when people start to really look at this thing honestly? Because there's no political energy around it, they can really just evaluate it objectively and go, hmm, this isn't so good. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Think that There's will no going back, though. I'm not saying go back. I'm just saying. I, I'm saying if it gets crazy out of control, I don't see how it can is going to roll back at a certain. But I'm point. not saying go back. I'm I, all, my, all I'm concerned about is human well being, and my my thing is if it's legal and they start to realize what the adverse consequences are, maybe they'll start to have a more rational relationship with it. Maybe the individuals will determine that, and not government. 
Well, because there isn't all that political energy around it, the individuals will, will look at it. There's, with the, I can, couldn't even have a conversation about it in Colorado before it was legalized. People would freak out. They just freak out. I, I had a guy come into my face, start screaming at me. Because you're against pot. I wasn't even against pot. I was just I saying I'm concerned about people having, having yeah, you know. But so, we can't be everybody's mother and, and caretaker. I'm listen, sick of it. I'm sick of worrying about what 20-year-olds are going to do. They need to worry about what they're going to do. That we've, we've gotten into a society that's just too concerned with the well-being of people, you know, that are grown adults. And now we're coddling everyone. Everybody's up so to, precious. Up to 26 Everybody's now. Everybody's precious. You know, that the, the law basically is, says you're, a, you're a, somehow a child of some manner until you're 26. This is the about, this is renting a car and having insurance. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, and health insurance. Yeah. So let, let's let Doa finish his case here. Go ahead. They're not treating the I alcoholics. Think he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you guys, you helped me out just hearing the discussion. But my worry is I just look at all these people spending so much of their family's money on alcohol because it's legal. Yeah. And then I just see them doing it with other drugs. Yeah, and, you're, you're uh, right. I work with, yeah. you know, I work with at-risk youth, and I just don't want to send a message that it's somehow okay because it's legal. But Bob's point on the racial issue is very concerning, yeah. and he's right. All right, my friend. Thank so you for calling. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate sure, it. Thank thanks for you. listening to us. We'll try to get to interesting stuff. That's here. really something I never, you know, we didn't talk about. But that's how I feel about it. I, I know about? there are African American young men in prison for things that white children, kids do well, all I, the time. I actually think, you know, listen, and giving it, giving that leeway to the officer who arrests them decides to arrest or not arrest them. And then to the DA who decides whether to prosecute or not prosecute. And then just leave it up to the judge to whether they go to prison or whether they go to a, a fire camp or whether they go you know, to it probation. Really, it really gets nice There's too. too much leeway because you know what a slam dunk is? Yeah. An African-American kid, especially male, standing in a courtroom who's done something bad. But listen... It gets even more difficult when you really start to examine what's happening. And I think this needs to be studied carefully. I think policing, police need to take care of this issue, which, which, is, which the answer is community policing, which is the white kid gets caught and goes, I'm sorry, officer, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and just holds his hands up. The black kid even gets approached by the cop. He thinks he's going to get killed, and he runs, mm-hmm. and that's it. Now it's a whole different thing it's resisting arrest it's 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 it goes into a different category now just because of the way the police and the african-american community are related Mm -hmm. that that's where they really got they have got to do something well who's gonna who's gonna hold them accountable for doing well it's it's changing and that that is you know that's happening i think Uh, it seems like it is the people i know in law enforcement are at least want to change it. You know, basically my theme is drugs aren't the problem. People are the problem. Of course. And if people are the problem, then the way we raise people in this country is the problem. Of course. Right? Of course. Because my dad raised me right. That's how I got off drugs, I think. I don't think these kids I'm dealing with were raised right, and I don't think they can get off drugs. And what's, what does that mean, raised right? Okay, that I'm responsible for me. How did he do that? in big and little ways. You know what I mean? Um, that's a, that's not a parenting a, a manual. Well, it's, <laughs> it mostly was centered around sports. Yeah. That if I effed up or I was taken out in the fourth quarter, 
It was because I didn't practice hard enough. Mm. It wasn't, oh my gosh, poor baby Bobby. Yeah. Poor Bobby, let me hug you. Yeah. You're crying because you got pulled out in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know? Practice hard next time. Practice hard or yeah. don't be a ball hog. I was a ball hog, believe it or not. What, what <laughs> position? Point guard. What? Yeah. Wow. I would Point shoot guard. too much and then the coach would pull me out in the fourth quarter if we were behind and I'd be pouting and <laughs> kicking the chair and I'm the best player here. And my dad would just drive me home and say, you might want to think about what you're doing out there. What is your position? What is your job? You know, not like, oh, not aligning. I see a lot of parents nowadays. They have that coach. Splitting. Splitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's in the little things. Colluding. In how, how parents are raising children. You know, Whoa. I did it with my hey older there. son. Who is yeah. this now? Who's this? Eric, can you hear us? Eric? Yes. Hey there, thanks for calling. What's happening, man? I uh, I, I was uh, expecting a call. Hopefully, I'm, I'm glad you guys called. Oh, here, great. Here it is. What's going I, on? I, it, it was kind of a 50-50 there. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I emailed. My question is basically, you know, I've, uh, a fat alcoholic is, is how I can describe myself. I could go three, four, five days without drinking, but those cravings hit. I never have any physical withdrawals, anything else. It's 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 the mental, and I'm getting to the point to where I I just drink, so I stop thinking about drinking. <laughs> Make sense? So the obsession, yeah. So you're a binge alcoholic. Yes. Yeah. You drinking today? I did not drink today. I took care of that last night, so I wouldn't think about it today. So I could be kind of productive today. Oh, okay. Are you hurting from last night? Uh, a little bit, but I've been doing it so long that it's, it, it's, the hurt is normal. Okay. Do you have any medical problems as a result? Liver problems, high blood pressure? High blood pressure. Uh, is, yeah, that's it. And that's more from the weight than yeah. the yeah. drinking, although the drinking doesn't help. Right, right. Okay, so, Bob, wh- go ahead. There's no magic bullet. You 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 already know the the kind of liabilities you have, and the question is what to do about it, how to find a motivation to really persevere over it, right? Or do you want to? And I, I do want to. Right? And, uh, a few months ago, I started going to counseling for depression. And I actually uh, I read something a while back that uh, it was an Artie Lane article, and I agree with what he said as far as. I don't know what came first, the drinking or the depression. What caused what? Well, depression they, came first. Yeah, they're, they're distinct problems that that you know each needs to be treated in its own way. They overlap. They're parallel problem, problems that overlap and and fuel one another. But so, one interesting thing is the alcohol seems like the solution to the depression, but it actually then comes out the other side and right. is causing more depression. That's right. Less involvement with other people. Less goal meeting. You know, one of the things I've had friends that if you truly are a periodic, it's called, or a binge drinker, attack the other problem. Get well, out doing and start, that's what he's doing. Get out and start walking. Get out and start playing basketball, doing what you can. Get active. Well, it, it, that really, that's your time. But, so are you doing cognitive behavioral therapy with your therapist? Uh, it, 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 it's just a counselor, so. All right, so it's, let me, I, we can't. We're, we're, our connection is terrible here, but 
But typically people will do motivational interviewing, motivational enhancement, and cognitive behavioral therapy, which is exactly what you're talking about. Hey, man, let's go. <laughs> go, go, yeah. go lose some weight. But Not lose some weight. Just, just become active. Yeah. There's a big lo- difference. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, it, listen to some classical music and take long walks. <laughs> Let's just, just start there. Or just put one foot in front of the other. Go out to go out to lunch out in Pasadena with yeah. your girlfriend's parents. Yeah. Not top of my list, but that's what I did today, and it was fun. It was fucking fun. Are they from Pasadena? No, Claremont. Uh, it's halfway. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that depression, which I have, is always has a tendency of like, no, I'd rather not. Yeah. And... What I, Dr. Roland Kim taught me is go, go do it. Yeah. Just say yes. Yeah. And it changes the way, and then you have a reason to stop drinking. Right, it's a meaning. Right? Yeah. I mean, a connection, a meaning. And, and I agree. And I think, though, binge alcoholics are particularly difficult to, to treat because they have the illusion that they can control it. Eric's sort of come, being into, now that he's in some therapy, he's having his depression treated, this is starting to come into focus for him as a separate problem. And probably will need some separate treatment, I suspect. What do you like to do, Eric? Well, um, the, I, within the last year, I've always been kind of a big, bigger guy, 250, 300. In the last year, the depression and the drinking got so bad, I gained 100 pounds in a matter of a year. Okay. Uh, can, can I ask I, something? Listen, I spend a lot of time sort of listening to people talk, and I get weird impressions. But do you have something secret or something you're ashamed of? I mean, I, I've been I've been married and divorced twice. And I, I I was actually thinking about this the other day. I can remember the the, the parts of the divorce and the and, and the hurt more than I can remember the, the weddings and the honeymoons. Well, that's the depression. The depression makes you remember the negative things. But, but I, I get a distinct feeling that that shame is an issue for you. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. I uh, with with, uh, with, the, with the last marriage, I, I had I had two stepkids. And... Hello. Yeah, we're yeah. here. We're here. Okay. Uh, I had two stepkids, and I I think you know once I started to drink, and once the relationship got bad. I wasn't doing right by them, no physical abuse or anything like that, but I could have done things better. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of shame. All right. So, you know, the one, we're, we're going to put you on hold here because our, cause our uh, connection is really crappy, but, but, uh, I mean, I think 12 step has a, is a wonderful environment to deal with shame because there's so many people that come in there with a lot, a shitload of shame and just have another guy sit across and go, yeah, dude. Where I does he live at? Eric, where do you live? In Houston. Houston, Texas. Oh, Houston. Okay, yeah, I would Leo say. Leo Menninger's is right there, A lot right of there, big, big support groups there. Oh, my God. One of the greatest treatment centers around is called Menninger's Institute. It's right there. They have lots of I've resources. Done, I've, I've done uh, 12 steps uh, or gone to AA meetings before. I think my problem with those is I'll go in and, and all the stories I hear of DUIs and and Skid Row, and you know, lost five jobs, and I can't relate to any of that. I've never had a DUI. Right. This um, is why. This luckily. is why the binge alcoholic is so difficult to treat. Mm-hmm. They feel different. They have the illusion. Maybe going to to OA or or something. But, uh, you What's know, OA? I, I, o- Overeaters Anonymous. So you oh, okay, okay. You want to relate? But well, I listen. I, I I think here. Let's leave it at this. I think the fact that he's in therapy and getting his depression yeah. treated is a great place to start that we believe you're going to have to do something with that shame and with the alcoholism, probably separate from individual therapy, probably, 
though a binge alcoholic is someone that can benefit greatly from individual therapy. Uh, I, I Maybe your therapist knows uh, some program that has more binge alcoholics in the room. You know, they're, they're around in Houston, trust me. Yeah. Uh, and Menninger is, again, uh, I've had people treated at Menninger. It's such a great place. Uh, you ever dealt with Menninger's? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Has the adolescent program, yeah. too. So, Eric, we got to say farewell. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you for taking my call. All right, buddy. Thanks Good luck. Call. Let's just talk about this for a second, though. Yeah. When you have these multiple kind of uh, life-threatening conditions, right? Yeah. You got depression. Yeah. He's of that age bracket. Yep. Suicide rates are rising. Yep. yep. He has alcoholism. You know, shame but, and obesity but, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but the but the I believe the 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 obesity and the eating is somewhere you, where you could start, where yeah. you really feel sure. constructive. Sure. Right. Yeah, he could. But so, again, you're right. Sort of trying to find something that speaks to that individual. I'm not sure he was ready for. There's something else going on. I could feel it. There's something else going on that he's ashamed of and. He's, well, he's alone. If you're alone and he's you're depressed, and so so, Bob, uh, this was our show where we uh, take a few calls and talk to people. See what's stuff. going across the country. What's yeah. going on? Well, I want to do people some more are shows. troubled. People are sad. People are depressed. People are on drugs. People and, are eating themselves well, to death. And, and as we've said uh, on previous episodes, I, I want to talk more globally. I want to talk. We, we touched that a little bit here, but talk about college campuses. I want to talk about African American Black Lives Matter movement and, and the yeah. policing. Well, the point is, here's a cross section of the United States. Yeah. Here's people what people calling. are going through. Yeah. Moms can't find treatment for their drug addict sons, but yeah. won't listen to anyone in a, in a in a in any constructive way of like, well, why is he living there? If yeah. he's running off taking heroin all the time, he shouldn't be living there. And we didn't we didn't finish this thought because the way addiction works is they pull everybody in. The disease includes everyone around them, and the one way that that every addict deals with their mom is. They convince the mom on some level that the child is going to die if mom isn't there intervening like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, remember Michael, our guy we treated in the rehab show on TV? Michael? This Matt, he was like yeah, the little kid, yeah. Matt, he was yeah. A, he was From a, New Jersey. Yeah. He, he's doing great, you know. And he's been out here this whole time. He's doing great, and his mom is doing extra great. And she now looks back at herself and giggles, you know. I mean, yeah. she, she understands what we were talking about, but boy, it takes a lot of work to do that. My gut feeling is a lot of people have lost vision of what we're doing here. Purpose. Humans. Yeah, humans. And so moms aren't, aren't you know, my idea of parenting is, okay, I'm going to put my life aside for 18 years here, and then I'm going back to what I fucking like to do. And parents aren't doing that. <laughs> hey, Susan, can you relate to that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not doing that. It, it's hard, yeah. My parents couldn't wait till we were going to be gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. nowadays you're a bad person if you think that about your kids. So so in this cross section we heard about moms struggling for treatment. We've yeah. heard binge alcohol, not really wanting twelve step, but doing good with therapy. Okay, good. Depression, depression divorce. Divorce, all the stuff that swirls around Food. alcoholism. Uh we so heard about Suboxone, which is interesting, right? That's a, that was that was an interesting call, I thought. Um, so again, suboxone working. We're open minded. Yeah, we're, we were interested in helping people. So, what, to whenever people get too deep into philosophies about yeah. treatment, be careful. What what you get into is what works, and you know what works for some people. You, there may be other ways to skin the horse, so to speak. Um, all right, so that does it for this episode of This Life. We'll see you next time. See you later. This is a real life. Oh, this is the only one you get This does not repeat, no
It's gonna be scary.